Hi everyone, welcome. We are、uh, reaching you here from SolveCast, which SolveCast connects problems and solutions today and tomorrow. And we meet with amazing and inspiring speakers, people from all different backgrounds all over the world, taking a look at different problems and seeing creative ways to solve them. I have here, thank you very much, Adam, for joining us. Adam Galinsky, he is a Columbia Business School professor, best selling author, as well as popular TED、uh, speaker. So,、uh, Adam, why don't we kick it off? I'd love to hear more about your why and your purpose,、uh, a lot more about your work, and what are you solving for, and if you could share a little bit more about your background. Great, great. Well, to tell you a little bit about my why or what the purpose is or what I'm solving for, I'm going to ask everyone out there a question. And I want you to think about a leader from your life. Um, that inspired you. And what I mean by inspired you, like they changed you inside, they created some oasis wellspring of hope and awe and possibility. And I want you to really think about that feeling、um, and what it was, but I also want you to think about what was it about that leader that inspired you? What was the particular attribute or characteristic or way of being in the world that inspired you? And I've asked those questions of tens of thousands of people across the entire globe to tap into that feeling of inspiration and also to think about what is the defining characteristic, let's say, of a leader that inspired them. What was the, the specific thing、um, that they did? What was it that really inspired them? And now I want to also ask you a separate question, which I've also asked tens of thousands of people across the globe. And that is think about a different leader that also changed you inside. But instead of creating this wellspring or oasis of hope and possibility and all, they created just a seething cauldron of rage and frustration and furiation. And think about what was it about that leader that inspired you? Or sorry, infuriated you? What was it about them that just made your blood boil? And so I've asked tens of thousands of people this question across the globe. And I've really come to sort of Four really critical realizations that I want to share with you that sort of speaks to the why. The first is the inspiring leader and the infuriating leader are essentially mirror images of each other. An inspiring leader might be courageous, and an infuriating leader will be cowardly. An inspiring leader will be generous and think of others. The infuriating leader will be selfish, right? The inspiring leader will see the big picture. The infuriating leader will be small minded. So they're on this kind of this continuum, which is both pedagogically interesting. But also practically useful because if you start to slip to the infuriating side of the continuum, you can try to find your way back, pulling the rope like a firefighter getting out of the, the house on fire. The second realization is, is that the characteristics that make up、uh, the inspiring leader archetype and the infuriating leader archetype are, meet the definition of universality. They are literally universal. Every single characteristic,、mm. trait, or attribute. That has been mentioned in one country has been mentioned in every other country in the world. And so that tells us something about this idea of inspiration and infuriation as being these sort of almost core architectures of the human mind, if you will, these archetypes that are basically embedded in our, in our deep psychological state of being in the world. The third realization is, is that these leaders are transformative. They change you inside. They create this oasis or this cauldron, but each of those grips you and changes you and moves you forward in the world. So the inspiring leader can motivate you, inspire you to do what you thought that makes the impossible possible. But the infuriating leader can just fill you with such rage that you want to you know, rip them apart or rip other people apart. And so they are, they are transformative in that sense. And then 
the fourth and final thing is that scientifically what I can do with these tens of thousands of examples is I can try to make sense of them <laughs> and reduce them to some core factors. And so I've reduced them to three core factors, which I alluded to already when I gave you some of the examples. The first factor of an inspiring versus inferring leader is being visionary. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. The second one is being an exemplar of desired behavior. And the third is being a great mentor. Now we can take that, that V-E-M, I can give you a nice mnemonic device, the VEM diagram of inspiring leadership. So just like the Venn diagram has these overlapping circles, the Venn diagram is the visionary mentor, sorry, a visionary exemplar mentor. And then at the overlapping circle is the true inspiring leader. Yeah, I mean, wow. I am also taking a lot of mental notes and this is super interesting. So again, thank you for sharing how it's universal, transformative. Also what you mentioned of visionary, exemplary and mentorship. You mentioned these two archetypes is it possible to have uh, a leader in, in the middle ground of the spectrum who is inspiring, but also angers or excites this uh, rage within people? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll say three things about that. The first thing is that archetype inspiring leader, someone who's visionary and exemplar and a, and a great mentor, but some people can be inspiring on the dimension of being visionary, but they might not be a very good mentor, right? I, I guess a good example of that would be someone like, you know, Donald Trump, he was kind of strong in the visionary side, you know, make America great again. I can talk a little bit more about that later, about why that was such a, a great way to encapsulate his vision. But I don't think anyone would call him an inspiring mentor, but a very inferiority mentor the way that he treats other people. And so you can imagine that people are can be high in some of these attributes and low on others. I think mm -hmm. the second thing is that we are We've never truly achieved the apotheosis of inspiration. We're always trying to go down that path, but we're constantly getting knocked off the path and we need to find our way back towards inspiration. So lots mm -hmm. of things knock us off like hunger or fatigue or dealing with our strong own strong emotions or pressure, right? Pressure from above and time pressure, and crisis pressure. So mm -hmm. I think um, that that's the second thing. The third thing is that it's really about trying to develop the right habits that keep you on the inspiring path as long as you can, or when you slide a little bit this way to slide back that way. And also to think about where you're weakest on those dimensions and try to build some capabilities along that dimension. Yeah, no, and thanks so much for expanding on that. As I'm processing out loud, I, I think this is a great tool even to use as an assessment and can be applied where we're always asking these questions of how am I uh, really being an example? How am I inspiring people? How am I really being a mentor for all those leaders? And again, it's an interesting topic of just the word leadership and how uh, people view themselves as leaders in any context or in the workplace. It not necessarily if you have people reporting to you, but uh, that you could be a leader, even if in any in your department or uh, your respective companies. Yeah, I, I mean, I I get people to hem and haul, and you know, and I say, why do you want to be a leader? Well, well, I'm not a leader, right? You know, and so you know, you get you asked the earlier question about the why and the purpose. I mean, when you ask most people why they want to be leaders, they some people acknowledge, oh yeah, I like the status and the control and the privileges, but most people say they want to be a leader because they want to have an impact. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the core definition of leadership, it's really about, you know, influencing, steering people towards some commonly held goal. And so anytime that you're influencing people, you are acting as a leader. And so like 
if you change someone inside and create even a small wellspring of inspiration, you've essentially um, led them in some way or changed them in some way. You've had that impact. Like that's what leadership is. Now you could also be a bad leader and infuriating them. But the Mm -hmm. point is, it's really about that idea of, you know, who do we look up to or look down to and, and what impact are they having on us? And that's also inspiring for a lot of us just to really think about what we're going through in our day-to-day jobs, for example, because when you were talking about inner transformation, could you share a little bit more of what that looks like? I feel like a lot of us were transformed, but could you share like what that's really going on internally, that, that process or what you found researching that? I mean, I think that right. I mean, I think that, you know, inspiration can come in many forms. You know, some people get really inspired by an amazing speech, right? We go back to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and the number of people that were transformed by that speech and committed themselves, let's say, to civil rights, right? We saw the dramatic effect of, you know, Barack Obama and his speech giving ability and and defeating Hillary Clinton, you know, back in uh, in 2008. You can imagine it could happen a, a sports coach, right, who does that all the time, who really fires up their team with the words that they use, right? But we can also get incredibly inspired by seeing someone be a virtuous exemplar of some desired behavior. Like we can get inspired by someone else's passion. Some people get inspired by um, Elon Musk's passion, for example, um, as one example, or someone who's just super competent and great at their job. Every time I see Alicia Keys saying, I'm just like, She's so good. It's just, it's just, it's awe-inspiring. We can get inspired by the way that people um, encourage us. I, and a lot of times I, when, I, when I do this, my big talk on inspiring leadership, I ask people to think about an encourager from their own life. And when I call the encouragers, like, that's someone who believed in you um, before you believed in yourself. They saw some potential you had that you didn't even know that you possessed. And so they encouraged you. And that encouragement gave you the confidence maybe to take a risk. And then you wouldn't be where you are today without encouragement. And so like that's an example of transforming you and changing you, right? That sense of encouragement, giving you hope and optimism about your own life, I think is one of those elements. So you mentioned the VEM diagram, visionary exemplar and mentor. Uh, so if you'd like, could you share a little bit of some career experiences throughout your your journey in, in regards to each of um, each of these three, the visionary exemplar and sure. mentorship? Yeah, I, I think maybe before I do that, it'd be helpful just to describe each of them in a little bit more detail, if you don't mind. So because I think that like, you know, in terms of and maybe I can talk about my own experiences after I describe each one. But like visionary, I think, is a really what are the key characteristics or attributes of the visionary dimension, if you call it. And one of them is big picture, right? You see the larger purpose in the world, right? You infuse that with a sense of meaning and purpose and optimism for the future. So now you have this big picture, meaningful, optimistic view of the future, but you got to simplify it into its essence. I sometimes call that the inception rule because in the movie Inception, when they're trying to think about how do you implant an idea in someone's head during a dream, someone says, it's not how deep you go, it's how simple you go. You want the simplest version of the idea, right? That really can sort of grow in the ideas of others. I already mentioned the I Have a Dream speech. The core simple idea is being judged by the content of your character and not the color of your skin. Even Trump, make America great again. Everything Mm -hmm. is simplified there. It's that like, we were great. We're not great today, but we can be great tomorrow. And so that really is sort of means, and then, you know, it requires widely sharing it with others. We often sometimes keep the vision stuck in our, in our own head. And so what you can do is you can really inspire people. If you create that big picture, optimistic, meaningful vision of the future, 
that is simplified into its essence and widely shared and repeated. And so I think part of that is like to create that vision, you really have to be aware of like what it is that you truly value or or what do you think that optimistic vision should be? And I'd like to give this one example. I'm in a pretty good position in my career in life. I'm a tenured professor at Columbia University and I've won a number of scientific awards, et cetera, et cetera. But my first, I had two incredibly difficult experiences around my career. When I graduated from college, I got a job at Mass General Hospital doing uh, psychiatric research, and I hated the job. I didn't like clinical psychology. I thought I loved clinical psychology, but I don't know why I thought it, because I didn't even take a clinical psych class in undergrad. And I ended up getting fired after three months, which is incredibly demoralizing thing. But, you know, then when I started thinking about like my experience in college and the class I took, I realized, wow, I really love social psychology. I took advanced social psychology, and I took you know, subcategories within social psychology. So then I ended up putting a sign up in the, uh, uh, at the um, lobby of the psychology department at Harvard University just said, if you need an RA, call me. And fortunately, a research coordinator, one of the professors called me and ended up getting hired as an RA. And that led me to get a PhD in social psych and where I am today. So I think I like to give that example. It's like, you know, part of what values are and vision is, is really understanding what you value and what really matters to you. And it's hard to make decisions if you don't, if you don't do that. Now, the second thing is really being an exemplar of desired behavior. And uh, that involves a couple different things. One is being a calm and courageous protector, right? And I show, when I do this, I show pictures of like six different leaders from Joan of Arc and George Washington to Martin Luther King and Gandhi and and, and Mm -hmm. others that are diverse on gender and race and century and country. But in those pictures, the, the leaders in the same place. They're always in the center. They're always up front. They're always taking on the most risk. The George Washington on the Delaware uh, painting is perfect thing. His boat is the lead boat. He's in front of that boat. He's standing up on that boat, right? He's taking on the most risk. I sometimes call this also the, the eye of the hurricane, right? The calm person amidst the chaos. Because remember, leaders that you're paying attention to, they transform you. So if they're anxious, you're anxious. If they're calm, you're calm. And so that becomes really important. Now, building on this idea of infectiousness, another thing is being authentically passionate. So I've shown in my research, I I do a little exercise where I ask people to like uh, describe a passion of theirs. And then I ask their partner to tell me, what, what, what did you notice that changed about the person when they started to describe their passion? And they talk about their eyes got big and they started smiling and started using their hands. And they started talking really fast, with a little higher pitch, started leaning in. You know, and so, and so, but again, then I say to them, what happened to you when they start talking about your passion? They're like, I started smiling. I, my eyes got big. I got excited. And so we can really see this exemplar desired behaviors about being a calm and courageous protector, authentically passionate, but also being super competent for really good at your job, right? Like you're just, Mm -hmm. you're just a star, like Steph Curry with, you know, breaking the record for three pointers last night, all time, you know, he's just, there's not a better shooter out there. And that's all inspiring for people. Um, But even though you're super competent, you're also human and humble. And so there's that finding that right balance between those. And then the final element of being an exemplar desired behavior is not being a hypocrite. There's nothing more infuriating than someone says, do this. And then they Mm -hmm. do the opposite or they impose a different standard on you than they're willing to impose on themselves. That is the very essence of infuriation. And part of that is, I think people get inspired by, you know, 
stories of people that were down on their luck and then got through it. I like to tell the story for me about resilience, which is, you know, when I went on, I got my PhD at Princeton University, which is a very good school. I went on the academic job market and I applied to 50 psychology departments and didn't get a single interview. And then I also applied to three business schools and I actually got interviews at two business schools of the three. And then that's why I sort of teach at Columbia Business School, but it turned out it was just the perfect right place for me to be was in a in a business school rather than a psychology department. But part of that is like finding that calmness, that courage, that resilience that other people then can recognize and be transformed by. And then the third element of being an inspiring leader is being a great mentor. And I already mentioned the word encouraging, right? You, encourage, you look at others and you're like, maybe they're better than they think they're, and I can give them a little boost of confidence. But it's also mm-hmm. about developing people by giving them opportunities, but also letting them fail, right? Or Mm -hmm. challenging them when you think that actually they're not achieving their potential and they need a little, you know, push, push in the pants, you know? So it's about, it's about empowering people. It's about developing people. It's about encouraging people. It's about challenging people, but all in the context of also really thinking about what's best for them. So having a sense of sort of empathic sensitivity to situation that they're they're going on. And I think the final thing about being a great mentor is also just recognizing your behavior really matters when you are in that position of influence or leadership or inspiration or mentorship. So a joke from you that might be like, oh, ha ha, can be incredibly cutting when it comes from someone that's powerful or important or a leader. I've Mm. coined a term in the New York Times for this called the power amplification effect, right? Like our gestures of criticism sting much more when they come from someone power. But the good news is our gestures of encouragement or gratitude or praise really matter when they come from someone above us. Um, And I'll give you just one example from my own experience of this, which is I I took my first class in grad school in 1993 with a man named Danny Kahneman, who would one day win the Nobel Prize in economics, the only psychologist ever to do so. And on the first day of class, I raised my hand. I was super excited to share a thought. And I said it, and I still remember Danny's reaction. The opposite of the passion person, by the way. He Hmm. crossed his arms. He struck up his face, shook his head and said, that's not right at all. Oh. (laughs) Inside myself. And it took me weeks to be able to speak up in his class or even weeks in any class. Yeah. Um, About halfway through the semester, let's say week six or seven, I'm just walking down the hall and I see Danny and Danny doesn't even stop walking. He just says, Mm. hey, Adam, I love reading your reflection papers. You're a great writer. And then he just keeps walking, turns the corner. I'm like, you know, I'm screaming up and down, jumping out. <laughs> that little offhand praise meant so much to me because of the inspiring influence and power that that Danny had. Um, and so we can mm. really see what it means to be, you know, a great uh, to understand the power that that your own words and behavior get amplified when you have power. And for me, you know, I a second really low point in my life was. I almost got, I almost quit or almost got kicked out of grad school. Like my getting my second year, I got a note that says you got to, you know, shape up or ship out basically, you know, mm. and at the time I was in a very unproductive relationship with the advisor that I had. We just didn't mesh well. And it's, you know, I, I'm not going to blame it on him, but there's another professor who took me under his wing and gave me opportunities and I ended up doing my master's thesis with him and it went really well and, you know, got to stay in the program. And obviously now I'm, I'm a professor. So I think it's, we need to find those people being inspiring versus inferior really comes down to, are you being, you know, visionary or small-minded? Or do you have a mm-hmm. big picture, optimistic, meaningful vision of the future? 
that can be simplified and widely shared? Are you an exemplar of desired behavior? Are you a calm and courageous protector? Or are you anxious and a coward, right? Are you authentically passionate? Or, you know, are you fake and lifeless, right? Are you super but human versus incompetent or arrogant, right? Are you consistent or are you a hypocrite? And then finally, mm-hmm. are you a great mentor? Are you focused on others? That's the key attribute of being a great mentor. Mm-hmm. Or are you selfish, right? Are you empowering people, developing people, encouraging people, challenging people, you know, all within understanding how your behavior is impacting them and having that sensitivity and empathy? Wow. <laughs> Wow, that that was just jam-packed. Thank you so much for summarizing it. And I think, you know, wow, as I'm looking back and also just taking um, some notes here, I think it was interesting the the images you brought up even about leaders and just visually as as we look at throughout history and and as you were mentioning what that's like of the of the leader front and center, the eye of the hurricane, as you mentioned, even the different messages comparing I have a dream versus make uh, America great again. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your experiences right out of college. I'm sure a lot of us, including myself, can identify of, of just being in, in, a, in a role or perhaps an environment that wasn't a fit. But learning that it can be extremely uh, painful and, and like you said, really demoralizing. And it's kind of this trial and error uh, of learning more about ourselves. Also, I think it's just interesting, your journey as well, what you mentioned of what that professor meant to you. And you can make or break someone's day just by small little things, especially someone you you look up to. And I want to say one thing, what you mentioned about fix. I think I want to, I think there's things that we have to, let's say we're in a miserable situation, right? And we have to figure out what is the cause of that misery? Is it the content of my work? Or is it the person or people that I'm working with? And so for me, mm-hmm. when I was at Mass General Hospital, um, I did. I thought my, you know, my boss wasn't a great person, but it was also really about the content. I just didn't like clinical psych research, and so you know, mm-hmm. going to realizing that social psych was the thing. And so even when I was struggling in grad school and I didn't have this very productive relationship with my advisor, my roommates would comment how when I came home and I talked about something I read, my eyes sparkled. You know, so it was yeah. very clear that I had passion for applied social psychology. And so in that case, I didn't need to drop out of grad school. I needed to find a better advisor. But when I was in Mass General Hospital, I didn't need to find a different boss. I needed to find a different area of psychology. And so I think that's one thing just to help people think through. Is it the job? Is it the work? Is it the content? Or is it the person or the people? And that's a really Mm -hmm. important distinction to make if you want to make the right choices in your life. Thanks so much for for clarifying that, because I, I do feel like a lot of people out there are trying to find that fit. And it's really whether you said environment culture, or is it the actual subject matter content? Is it the role, for example? So that's super interesting. And as you mentioned, the humility, but also the having that competence and and confidence as well. Lastly, so uh, again, with this topic about, about leadership, and but really inspiration and solving for how can we be better leaders? And how can whether it's being led or, or being the leader. I'm just curious to close. Do you want to share any other takeaways for people to apply it to their everyday life or, or anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? I would say inspiration starts with you. I think that all of your behavior matters, right? And so every situation we're in, if we can remind ourselves, if I'm calm, when things get a little tense, it's going to make me better off, but also better 
you know, the people around me better off. And so I just a reminder, right, that the more we are thoughtful and reflective on our behavior and our experiences, the more likely we are to be able to be on the inspiring side of the ledger. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adam. This was inspiring. I feel like I learned a lot. I hope this was all really um, helpful for everyone listening today. So <laughs> yay. Again, take a look at Solvecast. We have uh, some awesome talks, including Adam's and just interesting stories. Please check out Adam Galinsky's, all his social media, ways to connect with him, collaborate. Also your book, it was, if you want to share a little bit. Oh, sure. I, I wrote a book called Friend and Foe, which is really about when to cooperate, when to compete and how to succeed at both. And it's really sort of helps understand how all of human nature is really driven by this fundamental tension between cooperation and competition. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, again, my name is Jenna Fuentes, and I help companies with their community experiences and learning. And this has just been quite a, a joy and pleasure. So I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Adam. And everyone, have a good day out there.